It's Willie Oride in Boston and here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast as number 22 will finally be sent to the rafters prior to tonight's game against the Carolina Hurricanes. All that and more on today's episode, so let's get into it. You're Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Tuesday, January 18th. And I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Boston Bruins your first listen every day. The podcast is free and available on all podcast platforms. Most of you listen on Apple, Spotify. I use Pocket Casts for mine. Uh, Whatever app you use, please do hit that subscribe button. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. Uh, If you could rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, if you're on social media, you can find the podcast at Locked NHL Bruins on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me, my dad jokes, hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. Now, the Boston Bruins finally retiring number 22 prior to tonight's game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Willie O'Ree, of course. The first black player in the NHL, he'll join 11 other retired Bruins numbers. And the ceremony is being held on the 64th anniversary of Ari's NHL debut with the Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens at the Montreal Forum in 1958. Uh, Willie O'Ree, he's 86 years old, lives in San Diego. Uh, Due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the Omicron variant, he will not be traveling to the Garden, uh, but I assume he'll be uh, zooming in uh, digitally and uh, being able to see the ovation that I know Bruins fans are going to give him. Uh, Of the ceremony, he said, it's just wonderful. Just can't keep track of the things that are happening to me one after the other. Well-deserved honors for Willie O'Ree, Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, and just being recognized by his first team. Just so nice to be with family and friends and experience everything that's going on. Never dreamed when I first started playing hockey that these things would happen. All I wanted to do was play hockey and have fun, and so much has happened afterwards. Patrice Bergeron said, for us as an organization, it speaks volumes of the impact Willie has had on the league and the organization, obviously being the first black player and continuing as an ambassador, staying involved and being a great example to so many. This ceremony had first been planned for February 18th of 2021. That was rescheduled because of uh, COVID-19 and that there would be no fans in the stands. Um. Again, the latest in a stream of tributes to O'Ree, Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018 in the Builders category. He's established 39 grassroots hockey programs in North America as part of the Hockey is for Everyone initiative. 
inspired more than 120,000 kids to play the sport. Uh, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture placed a life-size bronze statue of Ori in its sports leveling the playing field exhibit last year. Uh, the Royal Canadian Mint produced a Willie O'Ri commemorative $20 coin in 2020. Uh, and just so many other uh, honors bestowed upon him. Um, again, he played two NHL seasons with Boston, scored 14 points, four goals, 10 assists, and 45 games, and then spent the rest of his career playing uh, in the WHL with the Los Angeles Blades and San Diego Gulls. Now, one of the remarkable things about Willie O'Ree first black player in the NHL, but he also played pro hockey for all those years with one eye, an injury that he suffered early in his career that he kept hidden uh, because he knew that he was already kind of behind the eight ball when it came to getting a shot at the NHL. If you haven't read O'Ree, I highly recommend it. And I just wanted to uh, read a bit here from his first NHL game. He wrote, my first NHL game would be in the fabled Montreal Forum, which of course I knew well, having played in it for nearly two years with the Quebec Aces. Uh, just weeks before, we played there against the Montreal Royals, a handsome building, state-of-the-art when it went up in 1924, that had seen some of the great game's greatest players wearing the home colors, among them George Vesna, Howie Morenz, and my hero, Rocket Richard. And the forum had its own Stanley Cup banners, nine of them hanging from the ceiling, the Canadians' most recent one from the preceding season when they beat the Bruins in the finals. Uh, he said, and so I was on January 18th, 1958, playing for the Bruins on Hockey Night in Canada, the broadcast that captured the attention of the entire country every Saturday night, the one I'd grown up listening to on the radio. My parents and some of my friends had traveled to Montreal for the game and were excited as I was. It took us all back to when I'd first played in organized league as a five-year-old. Harry and Rosebud jumping up and down at ringside to stay warm. Now they were jumping with joy, as were my pals, Junior and Bubsy, Harry and Rosebud being his brothers. I saw how much my achievement meant to them all, and it certainly meant the world to me. As for the world itself, there was no mention in the news media that I was going to be doing something historic when I stepped out onto the ice of the Montreal Forum. It wasn't the first thing in my mind either, to be honest. I was now an NHL player who happened to be black. History, of course, would make much more of it than we did on that night. All I wanted to do was play my best against the best team in the NHL. Bruins coach Milt Schmidt told me that even though I would attract attention, not to worry about it, to focus on playing the game, they knew I could play so well and not on anything else. I knew he meant fans yelling insults or the opposing players taking shots, but that hadn't worried me in the minors and it wasn't going to worry me now. A reporter from Montreal CFCF television station interviewed me after the game when he asked how it felt to play for the Boston Bruins. I told him it was the greatest thrill of my life. Neither of us mentioned the history I was making on that night. To be honest, I wasn't even thinking of it. He must have been as a reporter, but he never brought it up. Hockey Night in Canada didn't mention it either. 
and instead focused on the Prime Minister of Laos, Prince Suvana Fuma, who was on a state visit to Canada and was a guest at that game. Afterward, I met up with my parents and Junior and Bubsy. They were even more excited now as we talked about it, what it had been like to face the mighty Canadians. It's always better when you win, but we didn't have much time together since the Bruins had to make the train back to Boston for the Sunday rematch against Montreal. So it was hugs and handshakes, and then I was on my way. Not gone, though. My name had been forever etched in the story of the National Hockey League, even if they hadn't quite registered it yet. Uh, the Bruins... Um, he almost scored in that game, he wrote, and nearly got a goal in the third period when Jerry Topazini put a beautiful pass on my stick as I cruised in on Jacques Plante. However, Montreal defenseman Tom Johnson hooked me and took the edge off my shot. Plant made a stick save, and Johnson got a two-minute penalty. We didn't need another goal that night, but it would have been a great stamp, a big exclamation mark on my debut with one in the back of the net. Montreal lost only 17 games that season and would go on to win the 58 Stanley Cup, beating Boston again in the final, but they couldn't solve the Bruins on that night. I made history, not on the score sheet yet, but in the story of the game. So the Bruins won that night, uh, beating the Montreal Canadiens 2-0. Hopefully they can get a win here against the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. The ceremony, uh, I believe, will begin at 7 p.m. Uh, Willie O'Ree will deliver keynote remarks virtually from his family's home in San Diego. Uh, Bruins alumni Anson Carter uh, will help raise O'Ree's jersey into the rafters, as well as score Boston representatives Dallas Jackson, Torin Jackson, Austin Nelson, and Donald Kraft. Uh, so it's going to be a great night. You can watch it on the NHL Network, I believe. Again, Mayor Michelle Wu has named uh, today Willie O'Ree Day in the city of Boston. And uh, I, of course, wanted to talk about that here on the podcast. Before we get into uh, tonight's game and uh, potential lineup changes. A quick word about Bet Online. They want to wish you a happy betting new year as they continue their march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports wagering in 2022. Football playoffs are going on, hockey and basketball continuing their regular season. They have you covered for boxing and UFC as well. Head to the new updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Where the game starts, use that LOCKEDON promo code to get 50% off. Welcome bonus. Now, some news in Bruins land yesterday. Connor Clifton cleared COVID-19 protocol. Uh, over the weekend, back at practice on Monday afternoon, leaving blue liner Matt Grizzlick as the only player remaining on the list. Uh, Clifton said he had a few sniffles, largely asymptomatic. It was his second round of COVID after he caught it on his honeymoon back in the summer. Uh, and he could be back in the mix tonight against uh, the Hurricanes. He skated on the third pair subbing in with Tyler Lewington. Uh, so I would imagine he'll be able to go playing with Connor, uh, sorry, Derek Forbort on the third pair with Vakanine and McAvoy, Riley, Carlo, 
up there as well. Um, Tugarask will get his second start for the Bruins tonight. And uh, the other piece of big news yesterday was Carson Kuhlman uh, being claimed off waivers by the Seattle Kraken. Uh, this was caused by the emergence of Oscar Steen and COVID kind of easing its grip on the roster, guys getting healthy, and they were just in a bit of a roster crunch. He had to declare waivers in order to be sent down to the uh, Providence team, and Seattle scooped him up. Um, Bruce Cassidy said, eventually we're going to have numbers. If you look at the four group, it was at 14, 15 guys who have played for the team so far this season. Uh, they usually carry, you know, 13 forwards, eight defensemen and two goalies, or maybe 14, seven and, and, uh, two, uh, to get to the 23 man roster. And he said he's going to put Steen in there on a consistent basis. Um, he's done well enough to stay in the lineup, plays the same position as Kuhlman, so that has a lot to do with it. He credited Steen for coming in, pushing, doing a good job. Cooley, on the other hand, when he went any place, he played well, played to his strengths, tried to be a little more physical at times when he could, but Steener is just a little bit ahead of him right now. Kuhlman, 26, signed with the Bruins as a free agent out of the University of Minnesota Duluth in 2017 and spent parts of two seasons in Providence before getting a look with the Bruins during the 2018-2019 campaign. Played eight games during the playoff run and most memorably scored a goal in game six of the Stanley Cup final against St. Louis. Inserted into the lineup for game seven over David Backus, which I will always wonder about, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, 15 points, seven goals, eight assists, and 75 games for the Bruins. Uh, I've always been up and down on, on Kuhlman. I think he's a decent enough depth winger. I didn't see him as an every night guy. Didn't really score consistently or physical enough to remain in the lineup to make that much of an impact on the four check. And again, Steen uh, overtook him, uh, and they still have, yeah, uh, down on the farm, Jack Stanika, Zach Sinishin, uh, more specifically, who can come up and play on the right side in a pinch. Uh, that line of Anton Bleed, Thomas Nosek, Curtis Lazar, has given the Bruins an important boost on, on and off the ice. Uh, as I talked about the other day, everyone's rooting for those guys. Cassidy said they're great guys. Great team players do a lot of the dirty work. That energy helps the team as well. Uh, the line of Hall, Pasternak, Halla is really going. Halla has been a nice surprise, Cassidy said. Uh, does take three to form a line. Eric's doing some of the little things, the dirty work, complementing well. I had kind of said earlier that perhaps it doesn't matter who plays with Hall, Pasternak. Obviously, you need someone in there, someone to do that dirty work letting those guys play, trying to get the puck uh, as quickly as they can to them to let them do their thing. It's a real positive. So again, we'll see DeBrus, Coyle, Steen on the third line, the new look top six, and the Bruins will be in tough against a, a pretty good Carolina Hurricanes team. 
Usually on Tuesdays, I look at the Eastern Conference power rankings. Going to bump that to Thursday this week in lieu of uh, the very important Willie O'Ree talk off the top. But just a quick look at the Hurricanes in the Western Conference at the moment. Uh, point percentage-wise, they sit second in the East with a record of 25-8-2, and two, 52 points, a 743 point percentage. Uh, only behind the Florida Panthers, who are at 750. And their plus 39 goal differential is uh, second in the East, again, behind only Florida. They are 7-2-1 and one over their last 10. The Bruins, of course, hot in their own right at 8-2-0, uh, and oh, coming in on a five-game winning streak, which is the longest in the NHL at the moment. Uh, so arguably the Bruins are the hottest team. And, um, he, oh, sorry, the Bruins. Yeah. It should be a very good game against the Carolina hurricanes, a team that they beat, of course, in the playoffs, uh, a couple years ago. want to thank you so much again for making locked on Boston Bruins, your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms as well as on uh, YouTube. If you're looking for your second listen, I recommend the Locked on Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms as well. Just seeing that the Montreal Canadiens have named Kent Hughes as the 18th general manager in franchise history. Uh, He is actually tied to the Boston Bruins in some respect. He's a Montreal native, grew up in Beaconsfield Connect, and he is uh, bringing a wealth of management experience in the hockey world as a certified agent with the renowned Quebec-based firm Cortex Management. He represented a host of NHL stars, including Patrice Bergeron, as well as Chris Letang, Anthony Beauvillier, and Darnell Nurse. Uh, He joined Cortex in 2016, following a merger with M5 Sports, with whom he was previously affiliated. Uh, As he joins the Canadians, he represented more than 20 NHL players under contract. He's highly respected in the hockey world, having built an excellent reputation as an NHL player agent for over 25 years. Uh, Jeff Gordon, who of course was also tied to the Bruins, said, we believe Kent's experience as an agent will be a great asset to the organization. Uh, Not only did he represent Bergeron, but he also earned his law degree from Boston College in 1996. And uh, he played as well collegiately at Middlebury College uh, from 1988 to 1992. Uh, So, yeah, very interesting hire for the Montreal Canadiens. New general manager, Kent Hughes, with some real uh, Boston ties there as Patrice Bergeron's agent. I don't want to say, no, there's no risk of uh, Bergeron finishing his career with the Montreal Canadiens, despite the fact he's from Quebec and his agent is now the general manager. Let's just uh, not put that in the atmosphere at all. Uh, What else is going on around the NHL? Career night for T. 
Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks, five goals in this one. Thomas Hurdle, four assists. Uh, Hurdle obviously remains an attractive target when it comes to um, trade deadline and the Boston Bruins. Um, I don't know if that will be an option at all, but he would be a perfect second line center for the Boston Bruins. And I uh, wanted to end on a positive Bruins note. Brad Marchand named the first star of the week by the NHL on Monday. Uh, had a pretty crazy week, uh, actually. He led the league in goals with six and points with 10 through four games last week. Uh, he also is tied for seventh in assists among all skaters with uh, with four uh, he recorded a hat trick against the Montreal Canadiens, two goals and an assist over the Capitals in a game in which he broke his nose. Uh, so very impressive uh, week for Brad Marchand, who in my mind is a Hart Trophy candidate uh, very clearly. So that's it for today. Episode of Locked On Boston Bruins, Willie O'Reilly. Um, I can't understate the impact that he has made. I highly recommend you pick up uh, Ori if you haven't read it yet. Uh, there's also a, uh, a kid's book that we have that I really love. I've actually read it on the podcast before called Meet Willie Ori. Maybe I'll share that link on social media again uh, later on uh, today. And, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing him honored before tonight's game. And hopefully the Bruins can keep it going against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. Hope you're all doing well. And uh, we'll be back with an episode tomorrow. If you have any mailbag questions, please do, please do send those in. I'll answer those on tomorrow's podcast and also recap uh, what I hope will be Boston's sixth straight win tonight. Take care, friends, and uh, have a great Tuesday. Talk to you tomorrow here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.